Hello, everyone, and welcome to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez. And for those of you who are returning, who listen to this podcast regularly, welcome back. I'm so excited to have you again. Um, this podcast wouldn't be a thing if it didn't have listeners. And so I really appreciate you all being present, being here, and being co-creators of this podcast. And for those of you that are new, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. I do have a few little bits of information I like to share in advance, especially if you're new. So please keep in mind, first of all, that I study the Vedic sidereal system of astrology. And so the Vedic system is going to be different than the Western system. The Vedic system is derived from Southeast Asia in India. That is where the system originated. And the sidereal system of astrology is going to be the astronomically precise placement of the planets at any given moment in time. So this system is incredibly accurate. It's incredibly precise. If you're new to Vedic sidereal astrology, I encourage you to stick around because it's pretty amazing. And if you want to see your Vedic birth chart and see where the stars were placed literally at the moment of your birth, you can go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, click on offerings and then chart to calculate your Vedic birth chart. I also have playlists there. So if you want to learn about the houses or the signs or the planets or the nakshatras, there are Spotify playlists available so that all the information is in one place for you. So let's go ahead and get into this segment today. So we are going to enter eclipse season. And so as of today, when this podcast publishes on November 19th, 2021, we are actually under the energy of a partial lunar eclipse in the sidereal sign of Taurus and Scorpio. So the moon is in Taurus in the nakshatra of Kritika. The sun is in Scorpio in the nakshatra of Vishaka. And this is again, kind of setting foot into eclipse season because whenever we have one eclipse we always have another eclipse just a few weeks later so again today we are having a partial lunar eclipse and then on december 4th 2021 around 2 a.m we are going to have a solar eclipse in the sign of scorpio in the nakshatra of jeshta and so what's important about this is that when we're having this first eclipse on november 19th when the moon is in taurus According to Vedic astrology, this is when the moon is exalted. When the moon is in Scorpio, this is when the moon is debilitated. So we see this fluctuation up and down and turbulence involving the moon. And so the moon represents the masses, represents all of us. The moon also represents our emotions, how we're feeling, how we're thinking about things. The moon has so much to do with how we feel at any given moment in time, as well as our mental stability. And again, it, it's everyone, everyone is going to be feeling this energy. The other thing that I want to remind you all about is that eclipse season is when we're really experiencing the intensity, a lot of people think that all of the intensity is going to hit on one day. And that's not necessarily always going to be the case. It's usually around the time of the eclipse. And I remember mentioning this on a previous podcast, the degree points of the eclipse are what cause the intensity and then planets passing over those degree points. So for example, this eclipse happening today when this is publishing, the moon is at three degrees, the sun is at three degrees. So when 
planets pass over the degree points of the eclipse, that is usually when things get triggered. Mars is going to be passing over those degree points into December. That is when I think we're really going to begin seeing the effects of eclipse season. So I want you all to have that on your radar. Sometimes the eclipse comes and everyone's like, I don't feel anything. You know, everything feels fine. First of all, fabulous. I'm so excited for that. Hopefully it stays that way for you, <laughs> you know, and also just being open and receptive to the fact that eclipse season and the energy of the eclipse usually spans out a couple of weeks. It's not usually just on that day. Okay. It's kind of like setting the, um, setting the stage for intensity, so to speak. But going back to this concept of the mind, and I was thinking because I wanted to do a podcast on the eclipse season. And I was like, well, what would be helpful? Should we do an eclipse ceremony? Should we do auspicious events to do during the eclipse? And those are all really fun. And when we study astrology, we can see when events are going to happen. And that's awesome. But then what do we do with that information? You know, and it reminds me of a quote from one of my favorite teachers. He says, don't try to fix the world around you. Fix yourself so that no matter what happens, you'll be fine. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about the astrology. And then I'm going to talk about um, cognitive distortion, <laughs> how it can impact our day-to-day -day life and what we can do to work around it. Because I think that moving into eclipse season, moving into the holiday season, especially if you're in uh, the United States or, you know, Western countries, that this is a time where learning how our mind works, learning more about how we perceive the world can be of great benefit. So Let's go ahead and get into all of this. So first of all, during eclipses, doing any spiritual practice is said to be the most potent. So the spiritual work, the meditations, the mantras, the pranayama, the devotion, the service, any act of kindness, all of these things are going to be so much more powerful and potent during eclipse energy. So make sure that you do make time for practice and and make time for your spiritual pursuits under the energy of the eclipse. It is incredibly important. The other thing that I want to remind you all about is that when we have eclipses, the reason that they're eclipses is because of Rahu and Ketu. The karmic nodes of Rahu and Ketu are involved in the configuration, so it is therefore an eclipse. Without Rahu and Ketu, it would just be a full moon or a new moon. But because the karmic nodes are here, this is why it's an eclipse. That inherently means that eclipses are times of karma. They are times of fated events or times of destiny. They can pull things in. They can pull things out. And I have definitely seen this in my own life. I'd be so curious to hear what goes on in, in y'all's lives as well and what's going on for you. Um, I actually, somebody asked me this question. I decided to sell my condo. I bought a condo a couple of years ago. Um, thankfully, you know, super fortunate. And I haven't been enjoying living here for a while. And everything just came to this boiling point. And I was like, I'm going to sell my place. And usually I'll say stuff like that. And then it's kind of like an empty statement. I'm going to be honest with you guys, because I'm so consumed with my work that I'll make statements like that. But because I'm so consumed with work, I never really do anything. I said it to my partner. 
And he's the type <laughs> where if you say something like that, that means taking action. We have to take a step. We're going to make it happen. And so he actually hooked me up with a realtor and we're getting the ball moving on actually selling my place. And so somebody asked me, they were like, do you think that the eclipse had something to do with this? And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that 100%. Because for my chart, it really is affecting, um, my chart is being affecting affected in terms of like land and home and then also finances in a big way and managing finances and this is a huge financial ordeal so that was a really interesting observation from someone else that I like I didn't even notice so notice what's going on in your life it's totally possible that maybe everything is steady and solid and nothing big is going on but definitely keep your eyes open and notice what is shifting notice your emotional state notice people around you big shifts in their life big things coming in like a job offer or a relationship or it could be something financially or with family um, again, it could also be with like real estate or the home or a creative project teaching notice what's going on around you notice what's going on in your life because this is a time where faded events happen. Because Rahu and Ketu, the point of Rahu and Ketu is to kind of nudge us into a karmic path or a karmic cycle. That's what they do. They engage us with the karmic aspects of life. And it's like because we're born, we're in engaging with karma. But they're, um, again, it's almost like an alignment or pushing us into a karmic direction. And so it really is fascinating and amazing to watch. I'm so curious to hear what you all notice. The other thing I want to mention about eclipses is the degree points. Again, the degree points are going to be so important to track for planets moving over them. And open up your birth chart you can go to my website or if you have it available see if you have any planets in the degrees of maybe uh, 2 to 10 degrees of Taurus 2 to 10 degrees of Scorpio if so this partial lunar eclipse on the 19th is going to be that much more potent for you and if you have any planets in the degrees of, let's say, oh, 16 to 20 degrees of Scorpio for the December 4th solar eclipse, it is going to be just that much more powerful for you. So please do, if you have any planets in these signs and these degrees, just take extra care and let us know what ends up happening. As always, I love to hear your stories. You can send them at astrologynowpodcast at gmail.com if you feel compelled. So going back to looking at the night sky. So before December 5th, so from now when you're listening to this until December 5th when Mars is in Libra, Mars is aspecting Saturn and Uranus. So Saturn's aspect, or excuse me, Mars's aspect on Saturn is going to create a pretty heated energy. And this does create conflict. And it, like the combination of Mars and Saturn energy, it's not the most productive for getting things done and having kind of like this clear cut vision because Mars wants to move fast and Saturn wants to move slow. So it can give kind of like this stop go effect, but it can give a very courageous energy as well. 
um, the ability to stand up, as I've been mentioning, for what we believe in. But the Mars aspect on Uranus, Uranus is sudden events. Mars is violence and aggression and accidents. When we look at the current events, when we look at things that are happening right now, it is not a difficult thing to see. There has been a lot of chaos, a lot of violence, um, and and a lot of aggressive behavior. When Mars moves into Scorpio on December 5th, and I know I sound like a broken record, I've said this so many times to y'all, this is going to really amplify things. And on top of all of that, Mars will move over those degree points of the eclipse, the eclipses that we've had. That is sure to set off some heated, aggressive events. So this is what we can expect to see on the global scale. And so within our own lives, it's going to be important to really be mindful of our emotional and mental state. And this is where I'm going to start segueing into cognitive distortion. First of all, like in material life, you know, outside of our emotions and our mental state, when it comes to our surroundings and us moving throughout the world, there are events that cannot be controlled, you know, and so we want to be really mindful of where we're going not going to super super crowded places, not taking any risks driving, not taking any unnecessary risks for entertainment. I wouldn't recommend like skydiving or doing any crazy rock climbing adventure. Like now's the time to turn it down and to not take any risks, not to go to any potentially risky places, just to kick back and relax and try to keep things even keeled. That's the best that we can do to minimize the risk of something unexpected happening to us externally, right? Um, but then the inner parts of ourself, the emotional and psychological aspect. And I want to say again, we only have so much control of the world around us. Every individual person has their own karma their own karmic destiny, things that they have to experience in this life. They have their own opinions and their own viewpoints. They have their own motives. They have their own things that they're trying to manifest. And so we can have an impact, but we can't control. We can't control other people. We can't control circumstances. We can't control events. We can control if we go to the event. We can control if we contribute to the accident or whatever we can control if we contribute to the argument but we can't control anyone's behavior but our own and so when it comes to staying steady during eclipse season understanding our mind and our perceptions is going to be a little bit of a superpower and so I wanted to share something that we learned in grad school and it's actually we learned this in a CBT class and I know that some people are like totally not on board with CBT I personally my therapist doesn't practice CBT and I think that there are a lot of really helpful Um, I think there are a lot of really helpful things that can be derived from CBT. And what I'm going to talk about today isn't necessarily uh, all CBT related. It's just where I learned it. So when we are in our brain, (laughs) as we've talked about many times on this podcast, 
Everything is subjective. We are living in a subjective reality the majority of the time. What I mean by that is our unique experience, our unique buildup, the parents we had, the body we have, the circumstances we've had, the opportunities that we've had, the socioeconomic upbringing we were born into, all of that has a direct impact on how we view the world and experience the world. And that will change dramatically individual to individual, meaning that none of us are necessarily seeing the objective truth. The objective truth to me is like truth with a capital T. That is the truth that we start getting into when it comes to spirituality, spiritual pursuits, um, little tidbits of truth that we find in Vedic astrology and tidbits of truth um, that we find in these other beautiful, amazing um, supplements to the Vedas. And of course, the truth that we find through the actual connection with spirit, with a universe, whatever we want to call it. So what I'm going to be talking about is tendencies we have when living in our subjective reality. And again, the reason that I think that this is helpful to talk about is because the moon is going to be going through so much turbulence and the moon represents our mind. So if we spend some time talking about cognitive distortion and some common ways that our thoughts may be distorted, perhaps this will help us navigate this time, this eclipse season, this holiday season with more grace and feeling more connected and more in control of how we interact with the uncontrollable world around us. So let's talk a bit about cognitive distortion. So cognitive distortion is essentially the fallacy, the mistake that because we think something, it is true. So again, the general idea of cognitive distortion is that we tend to have this belief that because we think something, it is true. And our thoughts are not always true. They're not always based in reality. So one example is going to be all or nothing thinking. And I think that a lot of us can get caught up in this. I know I've gotten caught up in this so many times. All or nothing thinking is going to be if I don't do something completely perfect, then I shouldn't do it at all. So either I'm going to do it and it's perfect or I'm not going to do it at all. So there is no room for trying our best. <laughs> there is no room for doing things to the best of our ability. It's either it's going to be completely correct or I'm not even going to try. And that can be very debilitating. And that can keep us from going for our dreams. It can keep us from actually growing because we're holding ourselves back with this all or nothing thinking that we are the gatekeeper of. Who is defining perfect? Who is defining right? Well, keep ourselves in this endless cycle of perfection what we think perfection is when in reality if we're doing our best a lot of the time people are going to appreciate it so all or nothing thinking is going to be distorted over generalizing <laughs> I do this a lot my boyfriend calls me out for this all the time I'm gonna confess all of my uh, mistakes and cognitive distortion in this podcast because I think it'll help having examples of things so over generalizing again it can be um, you always do this 
right? You always are doing this or you're never supportive. It might be we're talking to someone and then it's like a partner or somebody that we love and then we accuse them of never being supportive or we think that we're always the one who's helping. I'm always the one doing chores. I'm always the one pulling through on things. Is that really true? Does this other person really never pull through on anything? Is this other person really never supportive or is it just feeling that way in the moment. So it's really important to catch ourselves, you know, and it's totally possible that someone's never supportive, like you get to be the judge of this. But I mean, even with my mother, you know, like there are times where I just want to I don't ever say this to her, I would never say this to her. But there are times where I want to say like, you're never supportive. But there have been plenty of times where she's supportive, it just feels that way, because the times that she hasn't been supportive are so incredibly painful for me. And so a lot of the times it's because we have this vulnerability or we it, it's like it's striking an emotional wound within us that it's a defense mechanism to think it's always this way or it's never this way because that feels so much safer than leaving the gray area to discuss and to explore. So notice what's going on. Notice if you're overgeneralizing. Try not to use those words always or never because a lot of the time it's not true. So this is also going to be cognitive distortion. Mental filter, again, I'm guilty of this one. Mental filter is when we'll only pay attention to certain types of evidence. So it's like we're seeking for evidence to make something right or good, or we're seeking for evidence to make something wrong or bad. And so we'll ignore the other evidence. So for example, let's say you're in a relationship and you've been bumped and bruised and hurt so many times in a relationship that you have developed a defense mechanism of always looking for what's going wrong because you are going to prove to yourself that this relationship isn't safe. So if your partner does one or two things to mess up, you take those events and you hold on to them for dear life and you bring them up during every argument and you hold on to them. So as they accumulate, whenever you have the next fight, you bring up the five things that they've ever done horribly. But you tend to forget about the multitude of things that they have done well, like buying you flowers or uh, reminding you of your parents' birthday or remembering to grab your favorite snack at the store or asking you how your day was and really sat and listened to you attentively. So sometimes if we do have those wounds, we can create this mental filter where we only see the good in things or we only see the bad in things. A reverse of that could be we're in a treacherous relationship, but we want to convince ourselves that it's a great relationship. So despite all of the horrible things someone has done to us, we're only going to pick out the positive attributes. So it's really important with with mental filter to have outside eyes. And to also I was having a conversation with someone about this today, have the um, ability to see things objectively. Try not to let your emotions get in the way of things. I'm going to talk about this at the end. So if you want to keep talking about this, wait until I finish talking about some of these examples, because I want to talk about emotions and how we can get hijacked by emotions and lose sense of reality. It's really, it's really important stuff. It really lunar stuff. And we're in eclipse season. So this is the time to talk about it. So Um, There's also disqualifying the positive, 
which is a pretty easy one. I mean, it's like if you do something right in your life or if someone else does something right, you can just kind of discard it and not think that it's necessarily good enough. Um, Jumping to conclusions or making assumptions. This one is huge. Assuming what someone's motives are. Assuming what someone is thinking. If we're coming from a background where we've had any pain, I mean, really, like if we've had any type of pain, any type of trauma, any loss, any hard relationship, it is a coping skill to quote unquote mind read because we don't want the rug to be swept out from under us. We don't want to get caught with our eyes closed. You know, we want to be alert. We want to know what's coming. So our natural defense is to assume that this person is going to do something, you know, assume what they're thinking, assume what they're feeling. And I think Levi and I, my boyfriend and I, we had a long talk about this, about how so many relationships get into trouble because people make assumptions. They assume what their partners are thinking or feeling because of either a past relationship or a parent or a friend or something like that. And so the best way to avoid this is to, there are two, I feel like, really good ways to go about it. One way is to ask and just say, what are you thinking and feeling in this moment? What are your intentions by saying this to me? You know, I'm feeling kind of hurt and I'm feeling kind of vulnerable. Is that your intention? Like, what's your intention with these words? Or what's your intention with this invitation or these actions? And the second way is being even more transparent. And I do this one a lot is it's I'm making up a story. I'm making up a story that you're about to break up with me and you're really upset and I did something and I don't know what it is, but I'm, you know, in my mind, this is what's going on. And I feel really upset and scared. Is that true? Is, is any of this true? And then that gives whoever I'm talking to an opportunity to say, oh my God, I didn't mean to make you feel that way. That wasn't my intention. That's not, you know, what I was intending you intending for you to feel or think. So those are some ways to navigate the assumption and the jumping to conclusions. Whenever we jump to conclusions, this is going to be a cognitive distortion because we are creating a reality for somebody else, (laughs) which is not good. Um, Catastrophizing, taking small events and um, making them even bigger. Uh, There could be like the should aspect of always thinking that we should do something else. We should be doing better. We should have a house by now. We should have a baby by now. We should do these things. And when we do that to ourselves, we're taking ourselves out of the present moment and we're being nothing but critical to who we actually are in this moment. And that can do a lot of harm. So trying to avoid... Um, the shoulds and and what we feel like we must be doing because this can internalize a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. And there are a few others, but I feel like those are some of the really fun ones. And I think that things we're all really prone to doing. Um, I guess, I mean, this one's really important, the, the personalization. And this is either when we blame other people for things or if we take all the blame ourselves. And to be honest, God forbid my mother ever listened to this. I love my mother. God bless her. Okay. Um, And this is, you know, the faulting. Like either everything is someone else's fault or everything is her fault. There is no room for there to be shared uh, fault. You know, and the truth is that if we're in relationship, if we're in connection, we all have a little bit that we're doing. So nothing is really 
always one person's fault, usually. So there's usually shared fault and there's there's things that everyone can take personal responsibility for. But we tend to have this desire. Um, I think it is, again, a defense mechanism to either put all of the blame on someone else or to take all of the full blame. That's something that we really want to watch out for. If that's you, if you're the type who takes full blame for everything, that can really harm you in the long run. And I can guarantee you, I don't know you. I don't know who's listening to this. I don't know who's identifying with this. But I can guarantee you that if you resonate with that, it's not all your fault. It takes two to tango. There are usually multiple um, reasons for things happening that are beyond just one person. Um, labeling things. So, you know, I have, a, I have a really good friend who does this. I'm not going to call them out. <laughs> but it's like taking a label and identifying with it. So if you're like, I'm a, I'm a winner. Like, I'm a winner. So I'm always going to win. Or like, I'm... Um, super ambitious, so I'm always going to be working, or it could be something bad like I'm worthless. And then we somehow internalize this label that like we are worthless. And because we have this label of worthlessness, we're just stuck in this forever. And so we really need to avoid the labels and the roles that we play in other people's lives because we can do that too. Like if we're in relationship with someone, it's like, well, he's the um, breadwinner. So he's the one with all the worth and, you know, he's all of this. Whereas I am just at home, you know, I'm just this, like we can put ourselves into these boxes and it keeps us from seeing the reality of what we're doing, the reality of the worth we're bringing, the reality of how we're enhancing the lives of people around us. So we want to stay away from the labels and we want to really stay rooted in the reality of things. Um, and I mean, like the winner thing, it's like, it's great. If you think that you're a winner, that's awesome. But it can also begin to lead towards arrogance, you know? And so it's like, if, if you're winning something, that's phenomenal. That's great. But there, there may not be times that you win. You may not be capable of winning, you know, all the time. And so we want to avoid kind of having these total labels of ourselves and leaving room for there to be fluctuations and something more than just a word, something more than just an idea, not putting all of our worth in something like that. So the final one that's going to be my segue into the emotion versus intellect is emotional reasoning. And so it's allowing feelings to create um, again, our reality. So if we feel, and this is really important, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about this. So if we feel lonely, if we're in class, like let's say we're, we've just gone to college, we're in undergrad, and we feel kind of lonely, then we feel like we're an outcast. I'm lonely. I don't have friends. I don't know anyone. Therefore, I'm an outcast. It could be, I feel like an outcast, therefore, I feel embarrassed. Um, and so, therefore, everyone must think that I'm a loser. And so, it, it's when we allow our feelings to project how we believe other people to see us. Does that make sense? So, if we do something... Um, I don't know, publicly, if we like do a public speech, or we're like creating a podcast, or we're doing something that gets published. And we listen back, and we make a mistake, and then we're like embarrassed. 
then we automatically think that everyone who listens to this podcast is going to think that we're a complete loser and we don't know what we're talking about. And like, again, if it's someone on stage, they may think that all the people in the audience are thinking this about them. When in reality, there are probably people in the audience who didn't even notice the mistake. They thought that the presentation was absolutely amazing. Going back to the example of the person in undergrad, there could be kids who love your clothes, who are so interested to know you, who are super stoked to hang out with you throughout the semester. We have no idea what other people are feeling. We have no idea what other people are thinking. So we can't allow our emotional state to create this distortion in in how we're experiencing the world and throw this false projection onto other people and assume how they are seeing us. So there's assumption going on in there as well. So we really have to stay away from allowing our emotions to dictate how we're experiencing our reality. And so with that being said, it is wise not to allow our emotions to dictate our decision making or our life. And because we are going through this eclipse season, because there's going to be so much heated, turbulent energy in the air, we may be more likely to get hijacked by our emotions. And so I really encourage you all If you have big emotions come up, if you have a lot of feelings come up, look at how you're viewing the world and can you spot any of these cognitive distortions? And if you do, take action to find more clarity. It may be spending more time with yourself. It may be asking people more questions to get clarity. And that requires a lot of vulnerability, but it's totally worth it in my opinion, especially if this person is safe and you know that they care about you. Uh, Do some journaling to see maybe why you feel that way or when you first started feeling that way. That will always give so much insight. When was the first time I ever felt embarrassed about standing on stage? Or when is the first time that I ever jumped to a conclusion about what someone was thinking or feeling? If you can remember that far back. And so just take the time to slow down and give yourself permission to pause I think another distortion we can do is that everything needs to happen right away. Responses need to be made right away. That's just not true. Slow it down. You know, if it's a text message, maybe wait a few days. If it's a conversation, maybe wait a few days. Just allow yourself to take time. Because when we get emotionally hijacked, things start moving so fast. Do you know what I'm talking about? When the big feelings come up and then it feels like, you know... Everything needs to happen right now. I need to respond. I need to say something. I need to set my boundary. I need to get my point across. I need to do whatever. And when we're in that state of charge, we cannot act with wisdom. We cannot act with the intellect. We are completely hijacked by distorted thoughts. And so when we give ourselves time and we do that reflection, we go over the list of different cognitive distortions and, and maybe feel into what's going on. And then act appropriately for ourselves. What is going to be the best outcome for myself? How can I act with most wisdom for myself? That's when you start acting with the intellect. And the final thing that I'll say is being able to see the world with objectivity. Objectivity is one of my favorite words. Being able to see things objectively. When we're in emotions... 
when we're in feelings and we have big feelings, it's really hard to act with wisdom because we love them. <laughs> you know, would they make us happy? We feel a certain way. But if we look objectively at the situation, it may not be a great relationship. It may not be a great situation. It may not be the best thing for our future. But because we're in these certain feelings, it's really hard for us to see the reality of that. And the more that we do these practices, um, looking at our thoughts, getting more insight and awareness into our feelings, we begin to act with a lot more clarity. And again, with a lot more wisdom, and then we can shape our future a lot better and shape our life a lot better. And that is what it's all about. So I do hope that this was helpful. I hope that this gives you something to consider over the next couple of weeks as we move through eclipse season. It's so important to remember that you are the architect of your life. You are completely in control of your thoughts and your words and your actions. You get to create the future that you want that despite the uncontrollable external world. And the more that we rest into this, the more powerful we become. And this is such an important time of manifestation. It's such an important time of transformation, of shedding layers. And we can't really begin to shed layers until we address our mental state. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes a lot of practice. So again, I hope that this was helpful. I hope that there was something valuable in this for you. If you have any questions, you can email me at astrologynowpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit my website and schedule yourself at innerknowing.yoga. You can follow me on Instagram, astrologynow underscore podcast, and I will talk to you all very soon. Again, this is Astrology Now Podcast. My name is Christine. Thank you so much.